what's the move? Can I tell the truth? If I was doing this for you, then I have nothing left to prove. Nah, this for me though. I'm just trying to stay alive and take care of my people. And they don't have no award for that. Trophies. Trophies. And they don't have no award for that. Shit don't come with trophies. Ain't no envelopes to open. I just do it cause I'm supposed to, nigga. Welcome back to Smarter Than The Average Bear. I'm your host, AJ, better known as Bear, and we're going to get straight into it this week. Here we go, Drake. Top five, no debating. Top five, top five, top five. All right, so you know what the deal is. It's time for our top five. Uh, got some very special news this week. Uh, NCAA college football is coming back. Um, they they released that first, and then they hit us with the, the caveat of, hey, it might be about two or three years before you get it. But nevertheless, the game is coming back. And I, for one, could not be more excited. Uh, I think that if I had to guess uh, between NCAA and MLB The Show, also coming to Xbox this year, um, I would say those are easily my top two favorite video games of all time. And to, to not have a game for the past six, seven years and to finally be getting one back now uh, is, is tremendous. And some of the best news that EA Sports has released in a long time. And so very thankful that that game's coming back. Excited for all the, the opportunities that, you know, will be available, hopefully to the kids as well, uh, through some of this new legislation that they're looking at passing. Perhaps the kids can start getting paid for being featured in these video games. Uh, and hopefully these can stay around. Um, I think the world is a better place and video games are much better um, when this game is, is in flow. And so hopefully we'll keep getting those. But wanted to start the top five out today with top five things that I would like to see in the new rendition of the game. Um, obviously, like there's a number of things that you could add, create, change. Uh, that have been different than, than than previous versions, but this is just the top five that I want to see. And so, coming in at number five, this is an easy one: the playoff system, the playoff format. Like I think that having the capability to uh, involve this this four team playoff format is going to be not only f- awesome. Seeing that the BCS was the last thing that was in place uh, the last time we got to this game, but uh, just for the thoughts of online dynasties. Um, you know, you get these things where you have three, four, five, ten, however many uh, users that you've got in your online dynasty. And sometimes it's really hard for, you know, teams to spread out. And, you know, maybe one of y'all play in the, in the Pac-12 and one pay, play in the Big 12 and kind of scattered around the, the nation to, to try to spread out the talent. It's hard to do that because typically if you get an SEC team that you're leading in the dynasty – they're going to more frequently play higher-ranked teams and be in position to play in that BCS game. So it makes it hard unless everybody goes to the same division and competes against each other. Uh, So adding in the playoff format should be nice because now you can spread it out and, 
hell, if you want to go play in the Big Ten, that's fine. All you got to do is, you know, uh, take care of the steps that you need so that you can get in the playoffs and then everybody can play each other there versus trying to schedule around um, the the regular season to, to make sure that everybody plays each other. So I think that's going to be a uh, very important add to the game. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, and I know a lot of the guys that uh, I have online dynasties with are looking forward to that as well. Number four. Uniform options. I couldn't be more excited about uh, the the kind of upgrade in uniform since the last time we had a game. And I'm really looking forward to uh, running with Baylor and, and having this 20-year dynasty where not only do we have the flyest uniforms on earth, but also I have probably 18 championships. I, you know, I, I know that's a low estimate out of 20 years, but, you know, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be uh, humble on this, on this podcast, but I think it's going to be tremendous, the amount of options that you're going to see. One thing I would like for EA Sports to do is don't don't gate these behind uh, us having to spend additional money to get these uh, uniform options. Like, go ahead and go ahead and give us that capability up front. You know, I know Baylor has 20 different combinations. Like, give me all of those. Don't make me buy, like, a package that's going to provide those. Like, just go ahead and roll those out with the games. Uh, and, and I think it'll be fine there. Number three on this list, I'm going to go with accessories and appearance and a number of things here, you know, you got things like towels, hand warmers, arm sleeves, like the games evolved in the amount of things that you could have on your arms, uh, and on your body. And so I'd like to see the capability to have a little bit, bit more flexibility in that, like. Let me change the position of where I've got a towel at. Let me uh, have a different arm sleeve or different combination of that. Let me, you know, if I want to wear my hand warmer on the back, like, let me do that. If I want to wear my my back flap out, let me do that. So just giving me a little bit more options there uh, would be nice. One other thing that I kind of think would be awesome is, and 2K does this very, very well, but having the flexibility to have home and away looks. Um because a lot of times, like, you know, I'd love to wear the short sleeve, half sleeve under my uh, under my pads or my uniforms when I'm on the road. Uh, but, you know, I may want a different color at home or I may want a different color when we rock some alternatives. So giving giving someone the flexibility to set those up. So, you know, your your socks or your your sleeves or whatever, your wristbands all match with the uniforms that you're wearing, I think would be big and, and just give it another little personalized touch. Um, that, you know, we've missed over these last few years, but it's the details that, that make this game what it is. And so I'd love to see that there. Uh, number two is going to be, let's have co-op online dynasties. Like if I want to run just straight up defense with like three of my boys and we want to go to Oregon with all the uniform options, like let us all play on the same team in the same dynasty. I think that would be phenomenal. Um, or like, hey, we're just going to run this high-powered offense and, you know, we'll have a guy at quarterback, guy at running back, two guys at receiver, and we're just, you know, we'll just Clemson everybody to death and throw the ball around the field and run it down their throats all day. Like, that would be tremendous to to be able to play an online dynasty with your boys. Uh, I know, like, a lot of me and my friends, like, we had multiple dynasties that we would run where, you know, we had to schedule out our days to where – Everybody could be at one guy's house for for the day, and we could run through ten or twelve games or whatnot. But having the capability to do that in like a co op manner online, I think would be phenomenal. And 
and just increase the experience that you're having for NCAA and college football. And number one, recruiting upgrades. Like the the process of recruiting and, and how that takes place in the most recent version, which is uh, NCAA 14, I think it's pretty good. Uh, but there's so much room for advancement now. Um, you know, we can you can start to add in things like, hey, if 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 you're an online dynasty coach and you want to try to commit uh, some some malpractice to get recruits, like let it happen. But you also got to be aware, like, hey, if you if you run the gambit too much and you get caught, like, yeah, you got to go on probation for three or four years and you got to lose scholarships. Like, I think that'd be tremendous to say, like. Hey, if I want to go into a city and steal a kid and offer him some money or promises or whatnot, fine, let it be. But if I get caught or, you know, I get exposed or I don't hold up to my end of the bargain on on the promises, like that should affect my recruiting. And I think that that would make the game uh, a lot more like strategic in what you're doing and what you're willing to do, uh, given those, you know, those options. I think another thing is like having recruiting battles with your rivals. you know, if I'm Miami and uh, my friend's Florida and I still a top-time recruit out of Gainesville or something, like that should give me a little notch or a little bit of extra uh, incentive when we're playing our end-of-the-year matchup. Or, you know, if I'm Alabama and I still a recruit from Auburn, like that should mean something like when we have to play on the field. Uh, so I'd love to see that. Uh, and then another part of this, and, and I didn't really know where to put this on, my my numbers as far as like top five that I want to see, but l- allow me the user to pick my coordinators. So if I go thirteen and zero and my offensive and defensive coordinators get hired, that's fine. Let me pick who replaces them. Don't just automatically fill that that void for me. Let me go out and pick because you know I may find a guy who who likes running man to man defenses a lot more and fits systematically with what I want to run like. I should be able to have the capability to do that and to set it up the way that I want to. And so I think that that would be uh, an added bonus for the game. But for top five, we're looking at number five playoffs system. We're looking at uniform options at number four. Uh, Also accessories and home and away options for number three. Same uh, co-op teams in online dynasties at number two. And then number one, recruiting upgrades. That's top five for this week. And we'll jump back into the show right after this break. All right, so we're back and it's time to talk about the big game, uh, the Super Bowl. I'm sure everybody was tuned in and dialed in. Uh, Didn't expect the outcome that we saw uh, with Tampa Bay just really running away with the game. Uh, Ended up being 31 to 9. A lot of things stood out to me here and and I'll go through a couple of them, but I want to say... First and foremost, like congratulations to Tampa Bay. Um, I thought Tom Brady after last year, uh, where the Titans went into Gillette, they just really beat up on Tom Brady, made really exposed them for you know lack of arm strength, lack of mobility, uh, really putting pressure on them in the pocket. I I really thought that we were kind of seeing the end of Tom Brady there. And, and to his credit, um, he really came out this year and proved a lot of people, including myself wrong, uh, by just absolutely showing out. And I know that there were a lot of, there were a lot of games where, uh, you know, they struggled to score, struggled to move the ball. But when it comes down to it in the playoffs and you got to be there to, you know, win these games, like Tom Brady does it at a level that we just not have not seen 
Uh, and so for him to be racking up number seven, I think like you've got to put some respect on his name. And for that reasoning, like he deserves that MVP. I think that was number five for him. Um, just a tremendous competitor. And I don't really know what other words to put around it, but the guy knows how to get it done when you're talking about Super Bowls. And, and that's something that you just can't take away from Tom Brady. So definitely want to start by giving him a shout out and just saying that, you know, I was, I was thoroughly surprised at the way that they competed tonight, but truly throughout the playoffs, because to be honest, I didn't think that they would beat the saints after getting routed by them twice. Didn't think that they would go to green Bay and beat Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and I didn't think they were beating Mahomes. And so when you look at that, and what Tom Brady did today in this game, like it's hard not to say he's the GOAT. And I think that that was, that was, you know, that debate was out of the question after number six, but even more so now, I think like we all got to agree that Tom Brady's probably the best we've ever seen do it on a, on a quarterback rating from winning to, uh, you know, statistical, just being a competitor, however, whatever criteria you want to put there. He's got to be the best to do it. But looking at the game here, uh, there's a couple things that stood out to me a lot um, d- throughout this game that I thought really changed the dynamic of the game. Uh, first and foremost, I did not put enough emphasis on the Chiefs missing two offensive tackles. Um, they had to move a, their right guard out to tackle. Um, obviously, Eric Fisher getting hurt is something that we brought up a couple episodes ago, but they just could not protect uh, Mahomes at all today. And truly, like, I mean, that was the game right there. Um, I've got some wild stats here. Uh, first one from uh, Diana Rossini, who tweeted out after the game that Patrick Mahomes was pressured on 29 or on 29 of his 49 attempts, which was 52% of his dropbacks. That was the most in Super Bowl history as far as pressures go. Like, that's 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 insane to me. Uh, as well as, well, he was 26 of 49 today for 270 yards with no touchdowns. Uh, I think this is the first time he went without a touchdown pass since 2019. And also, this was only the fifth time in his NFL career that he's gone without a touchdown pass. Uh, so a lot of things there. And when you look at those numbers, 26 of 49 uh, is wild because in their first matchup, he was 37 of 49 for 462 yards, three touchdowns, and no turnovers. Uh, Fast forward to tonight, like I mentioned before, 26 of 49, 270 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, and he was sacked three times. Uh, And I think you've got to – You've got to credit Todd Bowles and the game plan that he had for that defense. I, th- I thought they competed well the first time around uh, when they played Kansas City. Obviously, losing by three uh, really got got exposed in that first quarter. But after that, um, I think they only gave up 10 points after the first quarter. So in the past six quarters, you've held uh, the Chiefs and Mahomes to 19 points. Uh, you gotta you got to respect what Todd Bowles is doing and – and it really now shines a huge light on the fact that he was not even considered for some of these openings um, in in coaching in head coaching positions over this last little 
uh, coaching cycle that just passed us. Um, I think that his name should be and will be uh, one of the main names you hear coming into next season, I hope. Uh, and I say that not even jokingly. I just hope that they put his name in there because he deserves to be and he's put in the work. Uh, and and when you find a guy who can frustrate Patrick Mahomes, who I think we could all agree is probably the best quarterback doing it right now in the league or at least in the top three, you've got a guy who has shown you on multiple occasions that he can frustrate this man and formulate a game plan. So if he can stop Mahomes, imagine what he can do to some of these other quarterbacks around the league. Um, so I, you got to tip your cap to Ty, Ty Bowles and that, that Tampa Bay defense. I, I just thought that was incredible. Um, I wanted to follow back up on that because, like I mentioned, Mahomes with 52% or being pressured on 52% of his dropbacks, Tom Brady on the flip side was only pressured four times out of his 30 dropbacks, which is the lowest in his 10 Super Bowl appearances. So not only were they getting after Mahomes up front, but on the flip side, uh, Tampa Bay was doing a tremendous job protecting Tom Brady. And I think part of that, you know, most of that has to go to the offensive line. Absolutely. But the second part of that is they ran the ball tremendously. Um, both Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette pretty much, you know, were racking up four to five yards on any carry that they were touching. Uh, and not even just on design run plays, but some of the check downs Tom Brady have had on second and third downs just to pick up a nice little chunk of yards or to, to pick up a third down conversion and keep the drive moving. There were a lot of little things that they did just to chip away at that Kansas City defense and ultimately just put continue to put the pressure on them. And so um, from that statistic, obviously, it's just it just shows you how wild the game was. And then the final one that I, I, I pulled for this was from Next Gen Stats, which, which read that Mahomes ran – 497 yards before passes or sacks 497 yards he ran before being before throwing a pass or being sacked which was the most by any quarterback in any game this season i mean that in itself is just damn near 500 yards he was running before the ball was getting out of his hand or he was getting hit that uh, it's a recipe for disaster. And as you can see how it turned out this game, it ended up being that. And it's really a testament, obviously, to that Tampa Bay defense, but it truly shows the importance of a dominant offensive line that can protect your quarterback. And, and, you know, it really hyper-focused on the loss for Eric Fisher. And I think that, you know, while there were a number of things that happened in this game, for example, Three passes doinking off the face mask of Kansas City players, two of which would had been if they had been completed would have been good for touchdowns. Um, when you look at that, and also on the flip side, you know that you can't protect your quarterback. Uh, that's a recipe for disaster, and there's not many teams, if any, that can win games like that. Also, wanted to make a note about the penalties. You know, there were a lot of tweets and things about some of the calls and. I thought for the most part, most of them were pretty good. I did think that Tampa Bay got bailed out, uh, not necessarily on the first one, but definitely on that drive right before halftime. Uh, I thought they got 
thought they were lucky to get one with Mike Evans on the deep ball pass interference. It looked extremely soft, and the ball wasn't catchable. It just felt like a bad call to make in that point in time, as well as the one on on Tyran Matthew in the end zone that put the ball on the one. Um, it just was a really soft call, and I get it. Like, you know, if it looks like a foul and you throw it, like I understand, but I just felt like those two calls were really, really soft, and and I won't say change the game because. Ultimately, it looked like Tampa Bay just had the Chiefs numbers today. But uh, from a casual fan standpoint, you would have liked to maybe not have seen those called and then see what would happen. Um, So that was something that stood out to me. Again, I'm not going to harp on the officiating because I thought that uh, they did a pretty damn good job for this game. But those were two big calls that I really thought that um, were a little bit soft. and, And you probably don't see those calls in regular season games. And so... Uh, those were two that stood out to me. A couple of other things that I saw. Big day for the tight ends. Uh, Travis Kelsey with a whopping 10 catches for 133 yards. Honestly, he was the only uh, effective option for Kansas City all night. But, I mean, he showed up in a big way. Um, Gronk had six catches for 67 yards and two touchdowns. Um, I think that was the Gronk that we expected to see when – Tampa Bay, well, let me take that back. That was the Gronk I expected to see if he was going to be able to stay healthy and compete in Tampa Bay. Um, I know that he's been banged up a lot in his his career, but I thought that if he was able to to be healthy for this Tampa Bay team, he'd he'd give them a viable option uh, inside the red zone. And obviously that came to fruition today. But you um, really got to see how important it is to have a big body tight end that could catch and help block um, in this game. And I think that both of them showed up on, on a huge stage tonight, and I definitely wanted to showcase that. Um, also, Tyreek Hill, he had seven catches for 73 yards, which is quite the, the, the opposite uh, outcome from what we saw in the first matchup where he had uh, – 13 catches for 269 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, I thought that the game plan around Tyreek Hill was probably just as important as, you know, the battle in the trenches up front. I thought that they did a tremendous job of always having him bracketed with one underneath and one over top, just really not giving him, A, any one-on-one coverage, but also, B, just like any kind of light to, you know, run these double moves or potentially get downfield and I think you know Tyreek Hill's game is utilizing his speed to get downfield and to make big plays and when you can't protect Mahomes long enough for him to push the ball downfield it's really going to eliminate the amount of times that Tyreek Hill becomes you know a a valuable part to the offense and so that's just another point there of what Tampa Bay was doing to really frustrate uh, the Chiefs and 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 really dictate how the game was going. And so, definitely got to tip my cap to that team. Uh, I, it's wild because I think at the beginning of the year, like when some of these moves and things were made, most people would have said, "Okay, Tampa Bay, Kansas City in the in in the championship." But I don't think as the season played out, most people would have thought that this is how, the A, the Super Bowl matchup would have been, but B, the outcome of that as well. And so uh, I do got to – you got to tip your cap to Tampa Bay. Hats off to them doing it right. Um, 
going out there fighting, competing. That defense was absolutely just just wreaking havoc the last couple weekends, and uh, really proud of them, especially Mike Edwards, who is a University of Kentucky graduate. Um, glad to see a, a Wildcat getting his first ring. Um, but I think the game's in a great spot. I think obviously you gotta you gotta predict that the Chiefs are still gonna be around and still be competitive. Um, if Tom Brady's gonna play like this, you gotta think that uh, Tampa Bay is gonna be around for a while and 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 be able to you know perhaps make it back into the playoffs and and push for another run at defending this championship. So I think there's a lot of good things to look forward to in the NFL for next year. But uh, to wrap up this year, I thought that, you know, we couldn't have got a, I would say a better matchup as far as quarterbacks go. Uh, Could have had a better game, but I I really thought that Tom Brady, you know, the way he excels in the Super Bowl and Mahomes just being as good as he is, uh, I thought that we would get a tremendous matchup at the end of the year. And, uh, I mean, can't can't really argue for that. I don't think anybody was beating Tampa Bay today the way that they played. And so hats off to them and hats off for being the champions. So before we wrap up this segment, I definitely wanted to follow up with the prop bets. Thank you, everybody that followed along uh, online that kept me and Tyler in order. Uh, we had a great time recording the show, but also just talking trash back and forth throughout the week, figuring out who was going to win what. Um I ended up coming out on top, guys. I had 10 correct picks, and one was a push to Tyler's seven correct picks, with one being a push. Um, the one that we pushed on was the over-under for uh, number of weekend songs. I think the, the, the correct number at the end of the night was eight songs, which is where we got the uh, over-under set at, so we both pushed on that one. Um I think the biggest one that we got, or the biggest one that I won on was was taking heads. I actually bet that myself, uh, and I bet first play being a pass, which were the two biggest ones that I was a, a proponent of, so glad that I got those two out of the way. Uh, Tyler coming through late in the clutch with uh, thanking the teammates with uh, for the Super Bowl MVP was a great win, so he got that one to, to close the gap uh, versus the end of our, our totals here. But, uh, yeah, ended up edging them out and coming out on top. Hopefully none of you all listened to us and had a better day. Uh, but definitely wanted to recap those picks. And wanted to say hats off to, to one other gentleman who bet $3,000 on Patrick Mahomes not throwing a touchdown pass. And that looked like, hey, if you would have told me that before the game, I would have told you it was a foolish bet. Uh, but then, B, it looked like he had it in the bag for the longest time and then that final possession, you know, they got the ball inside the 25 with two minutes to go, and you're just like, okay, Mahomes is definitely just going to pick up a cheap one here, and it's going to be all good. And unfortunately, my man would, would miss out on this 48,000, but Tampa Bay defense stepping up again and getting that pick late to seal it. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but if I don't won $48,000 off a pick with under two minutes to go, I probably would have broke everything in my house and still been in the hole. But uh, I'm sure he's having a ball right now. I would recommend going to spend copious amounts of money on alcohol and enjoying uh, your winnings. But wanted to definitely tip my cap to that because I thought that that was a tremendous bet that had no chance of actually succeeding, and it did. So, um, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, 
bite my tongue there. He was he was right. We were wrong, and that's a hell of a bet to take out uh, on on three thousand dollars. We're gonna close out the show here on on a little bit of a, a somber note um, for our people matters topic this week. Um, some of you are aware, like I coach, uh, used to coach middle school football uh, here in Nashville, and over the past week had a player um, who was suddenly shot and killed, um, just over over pure stupidity and and. And and really, a just stupid action uh, is taking place here in Nashville, Tennessee. But uh, unfortunately, had his life cut short at 15 years old, and it's just truly a, a a sad story. And it's really a sad evolution of where our where we are right now as a country, and not only just a country, but a, 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 especially like our youth. Um, not a lot of people involved in activities that could really, you know, change their life and take them out of uh, predicaments that maybe could put them in a situation like this. But it's just really sad. And, and the amount of people, young people that are following just poor um, role models, um, you know, I thought uh, our kid and I'm, I'm purposely leaving his name out of this uh but I, I thought that, you know, him him going out and, and, and being involved in sports and some other things outside of um, school would really give him an opportunity to, to see something different in his life. And to have another young team take that away from him is just something that um, it doesn't sit well with me and it doesn't feel right right now. And I truly just don't know when it will ever feel right. Uh, you know, when I'll ever be able to kind of lay this to the side and 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 kind of move forward from the feeling that I'm having right now. Wanted to share some stats that the FBI pulled here. Um, One thousand one hundred and forty six people under the age of 18 were murdered uh, in the year of 2019. Eight hundred and twenty eight of those being males and six hundred and ten of those being black individuals. Um, of that statistic, 394 of those murders were uh, of kids that were between the ages of 9 and 16. 9 and 16 years old. Uh, and 215 of those being black kids. On the flip side, the offenders, um, 829 of the offenders were under the age of 18. 829 under the age of 18 with 476 of those being black people um, and 466 of that 829 were in the ages of 9 to 16 466 murders committed by someone between the ages of 9 and 16 it's just, it's really, it, it's really frustrating and sad, you know, where we've put kids and, and just individuals in general uh, in, in a box and, and, and really in a predicament where they really feel that there's no way out. Um, I wrote down a couple factors here, but um, I think the, the lack of, of finances and the ability to gain finances uh, obviously is probably the biggest factor 
there. Um, just in, in, in the ability to to perhaps maybe one day get yourself out of a bad situation. Um, also, a lack in education. Just the 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 amount of good teachers that that you know maybe start out in these these areas that really really need those teachers, but for for one reason or another, they start to migrate out of the the inner city into maybe more suburban schools or just out of teaching in general uh, for a number of factors. But just the the amount or the the lack of just really really good um, educational providers that that are accessible to people with lower income is is just you know saddening but it also goes to highlight why uh it's tough to to perhaps see yourself getting out of these predicaments um a lack of family structure is another one um just the 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 lack of two parent households and loving two parent households um to where you've where you've got additional eyeballs on the kids at all times and you got somebody there um, who's checking in on them, who's making sure that, you know, they're receiving love, they're receiving shelter, they're receiving food. Um, you know, somebody who, who has a, a vetted interest in seeing these kids grow up and be successful. Um, I bring up that because while black people make up 12% of our nation's population, uh, nearly triple of that at 35%. Uh, are incarcerated. And so it's, you know, whether it be, you know, split families from slavery, split families from being sold off during slavery, split families for, uh, you know, the drug epidemic, which saw black people being locked up at uh, a, an extremely high amount, uh, to even seeing things of, you know, just inadequate, uh, I would say inadequate options. Uh, which are forcing forcing some some hands and and to negate the ability for kids to have these these loving two family homes. It's just you know there's it, there's really no way to 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 formulate that you can make it out of that when when all the people around you and the people that you see on a daily basis and the family that you have and things of that nature just they if they haven't made it out there's really no. There's no way for you to know how or if you could even get out. And that's one thing that, you know, I when I was younger, I used to always just be like, man, I feel like people should, you know, want better for themselves and want to, you know, make it out of their their circumstances and their situations. But as I've gotten older and, and, and been able to be involved more in, in people's lives and, and be involved more in the scenario, it you know, really goes to show just how tough it is to see yourself becoming more when everything around you doesn't necessarily show or highlight people who have done it uh, in that form or fashion and made it out. And um, that's another issue that I really see that's that's plaguing uh, the black community. And the last point that I have on here is just more community development. Uh, whether it's after school programs, whether it's mentorships, whether it's, you know, building up communities instead of having them gentrified so that, you know, people from just because you live in a uh, low economic area doesn't necessarily mean it has to look that way or appear that way. You got to 
they, there's got to be something to have people be proud of their environment, uh, which will make people proud, which will make people want more for themselves. Um, we've just done a disservice to a lot of people that are um, are less fortunate than ourselves and myself included. Like you've got to take the time out of your day to, to you know, provide uh, provide assistance and help back to people that need it and give back to areas that need it and give back to kids that need it the most. Uh, and that's how, as a society, we start to grow and blend and, and shrink gaps. And I just think that uh, all these factors play a part in not only um, where we see our, our society now, but they also play a factor in, you know, what kids end up doing with their lives. And it's easy to point the finger and say, like, you know, oh, it's so foolish the things that they're doing, and 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 I can't understand why they would do it. But uh, I think the bigger picture and the bigger question we need to ask is: Are we really uh, facilitating these kids with with an environment that that promotes nonviolence and promotes like options outside of what they're taking? And if we're not, we need to start looking at that. Um, I say all that to say, like I I I haven't really had the words to really. Uh, talk about what's going on with uh, with my player's life being taken, and I, I truly don't even think that now, like I still have the words to to really speak upon like how I feel about it, uh, other than to say that I am extremely, extremely hurt and saddened, not only for his family but um, for our young kid who I think that uh, really had an opportunity to to utilize his God given talents to maybe pro- provide an option to make it out of his situation and, and, and become something more of himself. And it, it's never not going to be frustrating for me. But then I, you know, on the other side, I've, I've got a number of other kids that I've coached that um, I've spoken with and, and even them just having to understand the hurt and the pain that they're going through at ages 14, 15, 16. It's just something that as a kid, you should never have to go through really, you know, honestly, as an adult, as a 32 year old, I've, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I've gone through that type of hurt and pain in my life. And, and, and I feel bad for the kids. Um, and, and I just really wish that there was something that we could do to put in place to, to help minimize incidents like this, because, um, uh, it really, you know, it, it really starts to affect the grand scheme of things in the community. Uh, it's not just one or two people's lives affected. It's a whole lot more than that. And um, I just, you know, I'm really, really upset and really uh, frustrated about it. Um, wanted to share a word on here. Um, I feel like this is my, my only outlet to speak on these things. And so I wanted to utilize that to, to kind of put some words uh, in perspective and really talk through things and, and get some stuff off of my chest, but also uh, to shed some light on some of the statistics that are going around. And hopefully um, this will, this will provide itself as an opportunity for some people uh, maybe that are listening to this, to go out and do some things to help, changed their communities or the communities around them and hopefully bring up people um and 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 you know, be there for people to provide additional options and, and outlooks for them so they don't feel like they have to go down the route of you know potentially putting themselves or others in harm's way uh, for foolish reasons or feeling like uh they're not more than they 
uh, feeling like they're less than they should be valued. Uh, I think, you know, showing kids that they matter and showing kids that they're loved and showing kids that um, while there's sure everybody's going to make mistakes, but there's other options than resulting to gunplay or anything of, of that nature. And so uh, I challenge people, let's get out there and do something different for your community and, and, and make a change and make a difference in somebody's life that, you know, could compound and, and, and become something bigger with just one one type of outreach, one type of um, good deed, one type of mentored effort, whatever you can provide, just go out there and do that for, for a community other than your own. And, and let's see if that, you know, starts to get the ball rolling. It starts to make a change uh, in our lives. And so as we close out this episode, I'm going to give a moment of silence here for, for my former player and, um, and his family. And I just, I got nothing but prayers and uh, for you and your family. And, you know, here's to hoping that maybe one day things will change and, and we won't have to, you know, have these discussions and talks moving forward. <laughs>